Hi, welcome back to Command Line TV. I'm Chris League, and with me is my co-host, Chris Lopes. Uh, last time we learned how to list files and navigate the directory structure, and today we'll cover the basics of viewing and manipulating files from the Unix terminal. First, are there any questions or issues you'd like to address from last time? Uh, actually, I had one. Um, I remember last time we navigated using CD. We did that in two different ways. We did it um, the relative way from the directory we were currently in, and then we also did it using the tilde. Right. Um, is there a big difference between those two? Not really. It's, a, it's just a matter of what's convenient. But the, um, there is terminology about them. You said relative for one, which is correct. Um, so it's relative if it matters where you're starting from. And when you started with tilde, then it's called an absolute path because then it doesn't matter where you start from. It always goes to your home directory first and, uh, and does that. So um, one way to think of that is that an absolute path starts with a slash. And the tilde is just really an abbreviation. So I'm going to do here a command called echo tilde. And this shows me that that actually is an abbreviation for home slash or slash home slash CLTV, which is my username. So that's an absolute path. So this terminal actually looks a little bit different as well, I guess. Uh, is that because we're using Linux as opposed to the Mac this time? Yeah, last time we were on a Mac terminal and this is Linux. There are some minor differences. Um, one of them is that the ls output actually has some color in it. Um, but it, the, prompt show, the prompt also looks a little different, but it shows us the same stuff. It's got your username and host name, the name of the machine, the current directory. So if I go down to downloads, whoops. If I go down to downloads, then um, that shows up there. And then the dollar sign is my prompt. Um, and one cool thing about the colors is that it's showing us directories in blue. Um, and it sometimes has other colors for other file types. So that helps us distinguish things in a similar way to doing that dash F that we learned last time, which adds a slash. That's a little bit redundant now because the color gives it away. Can the ls command on a Mac also be configured to use colors? Uh, not directly, but you can install a different version of ls on the Mac if you want to. So the, the version of ls I'm using here, um, you can do this double dash option with a version name there. This needs to be exactly like that, no extra spaces in it. Um, this shows me that I'm using the GNU version of LS, which has this feature of adding colors. And on the Mac, you're using a BSD version of LS. These are just two different variants of the Unix operating system. Um, and so you can install the GNU version on the Mac, but it's not the version that comes with it by default. Um, the other thing that GNU supports is a lot of commands have a double dash help option. Um, so if we do ls double dash help, you see that it um, showed us tons of options here. I have to scroll up to see the rest of them. But this gives you a quick reference for the different options that it supports. And we can find things that we learned last time, like uh, reversing the order when you sort and so on. So we can see those details. So the double dash help, does that work on all commands or? I would say it works on most commands. Um, certainly all commands from the GNU project, but not every command is, is from GNU. Um, but it, it's always worth trying if, uh, a lot, because a lot of commands do support it. In future episodes, we also hope to address questions and comments from our viewers. 
Yeah, I hope you'll get in touch with us with your questions, corrections, comments, and we'll be happy to respond on the show. Uh, how will they get in touch with us? Uh, right now we have two options. We have the Twitter at, at commandlinetv or via email heychris at commandline.tv. All right, thanks. So now we'll learn a little bit about viewing and manipulating files from the command line. Um, so I'm here in my downloads folder. So now that we learned how to navigate through the directories, how can we actually view the files that are within those directories? Right, so there's a text file here um, about languages. And um, the most basic command to dump out the contents of a file is called cat, which stands for catenate, it doesn't matter, but that's what it's called. So I can type cat and then the name of a file, languages.txt, and it will just dump out the contents right onto my terminal like that. Um, now that was a really long file, so I have to scroll up to see more of the content of it. But another way so that I don't have to scroll in my terminal is I can replace cat with a command called more. And what more will do is just show me one screenful of that file. And then it gives me this prompt at the bottom with a percentage of how much of the file I've seen. And I've got a couple of options here. If I just want to see the next full page, I can hit the space bar. So now I'm looking at page two and so on. Um, and page through the file that way. And if I'm done looking, I can hit the Q to go back to my regular prompt. Now, does Cat and More work on the other files other than text files, such as the GZ that you have there? Yeah, so GZ is like a compressed file, which means it may not be viewable as plain text. And I can try to do Cat on that. 2.10, okay. Um, but I'm going to regret it. I'll show, you, I'll show you what it does anyway. So if I do cat on the GZ file, I start to get a bunch of this stuff dumped to my terminal. So it really is just dumping out the contents of that file, but that's not something that I can see on my terminal in a reasonable way. So what I have to do here to fix this is hit Control-C to stop it, and sometimes that'll take a moment. And once it actually stops, what you might want to do is uh, reset your terminal. There's a command called reset. Um, sometimes dumping the contents of a binary file will mess with your terminal settings and things might not come out quite right. Sometimes when you start to type after that, it will actually show you funny characters instead of the keys that you pressed. But typing reset should fix all of that. And now my terminal's back to its default settings. Now that we learned cat to open text files and try to open a binary file, is it the same process to open images as well and PDFs? So images and PDFs you might want to be able to view from the command line, but you can't actually see the content directly. However, you can open them in another program by typing a command. Um, so I've got here down in some subdirectory, I've got some figures that are part of a book. Um, and a lot of these are in PostScript format, which we're not going to worry about right now. But I do have down here an image file in PNG format. And if I want to open that on the command line, on Linux, the command would be xdg open. What this does is it connects to your desktop environment that you have installed and chooses the appropriate viewer for the file type. 
So you can use this for both images and PDFs and, and some other things as well. So I xdgopengridworld.png and it opens in this external application to show you um, the image and then you can close that and switch back to the command line. On a Mac, um, the command that does the same thing that hooks into the graphical environment on the Mac, it's just called open. So um, you would say open grid world. And that won't work on Linux, but it works fine on Mac. And I noticed uh, at the top you did ls asterisk. What is that? Yeah, so this asterisk or star, as I will usually say, is a wild card. It just matches anything. So this is a way of showing, like if I just do ls, it shows me all the files in this directory. ls star.png means show me all the files where there's anything followed by .png. So any file that matches that. And so you can use that in a nice way to kind of limit what files you're seeing um, to just the files that end with .fig. It doesn't have to be boundary, like a boundary with the dot. You can use it elsewhere. Like I can show all files that have, uh, let's say, REN in the name. So this means anything followed by REN followed by anything. And that REN matches the middle of the word reference. So showing me those file names. Cool. We'll say a lot more about wildcards in another episode, but that's a, a good introduction. Now I see that after the ls, you have the asterisk ren asterisk. Uh, earlier when we did ls, we had a dash in front of it. So is there a difference between those options and uh, what we're seeing right now? Yeah, sort of. Uh, the syntax of these commands is usually that you have the name of the command, which is ls, in this case, and a space, and then you typically put your options if you have any. So dash L, for example, to get the detailed listing, um, and then spaces. And then you do any other arguments that you would have. So for example, names of files or wildcard pattern, uh, wildcard matches for files or whatever. So I can do that to get, um, a detailed listing of just those files that I selected before. Some commands also support putting the options after the arguments, so you could do star ren star and then dash l at the end. And for ls, that ends up being the same thing. Not every command supports that though, and it's more typical to put the options before the arguments. When you do double dash help for a command, it will often show you a brief synopsis of how to use it, including the, uh, the order that the options and arguments should go in. Um, we did ls help previously, but I want to also introduce that um, we can keep it from scrolling way off the page by using the more command, but in a different way. So previously we said more and a file name, and now I'm using this pipe character. And it's usually, on most keyboards, it's shift backslash, um, so we call it pipe or vertical bar, but, but Unix people will just call it pipe. What this means is take the output of the thing on the left and feed it to the program on the right. So we're combining two programs together, and then we get the help message from ls, but it's paged, so we see the more prompt at the bottom. Um, and here's that usage synopsis I was talking about where after ls, you put the options, and then you put the files you want to see. And then more allows us to page through this, just like we page through a text file. 
or hit Q to go back to the prompt. I noticed that when you did LS and then the more option that we could scroll down through the list but we couldn't go back up. What if I wanted to go back up to view the options that I already passed? Yeah, exactly. So, so more only allows you to go in one direction. Um, that's a serious limitation to it. So a lot of people actually use a newer command called less. And you know, more and less are just kind of, less was named that to be the opposite of more or something like that. So it's just a silly name. But it does essentially the same stuff. The um, prompt looks a little different, so it just has this colon down here where my cursor is. Um, but it allows me to page forward in the same way with a space bar. But I can also go back up, and I can do that with the arrow keys to go up a line at a time. Or you can use page up and page down to go up to the top and down to the bottom. Um, there are a couple of other commands that it supports too. Um, if you want to go all the way to the top with one keystroke, that's the less than key. So less than takes me all the way to the top and greater than all the way to the bottom. And then uh, just like more, you can use Q to quit. However, on less, you have to use Q to quit. One thing about more is that if you page all the way to the bottom, it just exits by itself when it gets to the bottom. Less doesn't do that. Page all the way to the bottom, it, it stays there, it's still running until you hit Q. So it's really a matter of preference which one you want to use, but less has more features than more. So if I didn't want to view the entire file, but I just want to know what's either at the beginning or at the end of it, do I have options for that? Yeah, very good. There's, um, there are two commands, one called head and one called tail that show us the beginning and end of files. Um, tail is especially useful for doing log files. So I've got a log file down here in this uh, hello project. Um, there's a config.log, which keeps track of what happened when I tried to configure this software. And if I just want to view the last couple of lines of that file to see if it was successful or if there was an error, you can say tail config.log. And it'll just dump out the last few lines. It looks like it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten lines that it's showing. And the bottommost line just says exit zero, which probably means it was successful. Um, you can configure tail in order to um, show you a different number of lines besides ten. So if I only want to see the last one line, I can say dash one, and there's the very last line from that file. So that's sort of like when we were talking about the uh, syntax before. Yeah, that's one of the options that tail supports. So you put that, and then you put the file name afterwards. Um, how about head? Same idea, it just shows you the top of the file. So this can allow you to identify files, for example. Like a lot of times there's authorship information or copyright information at the top of a file. Um, so I've got here a file called changelog, and the changelog probably has information about what changes have been made to this software. And generally when we keep those files, we put the most recent stuff at the top. So if I want to see the most recent stuff in the changelog, I see here, at, you know, head just shows me the top 10 lines, and the first entry was from November 2014, and it's for version 2.10. Um, 
So that's an example of using head. And again, I can just get the top, let's say, four lines of that file using the dash four option. One other cool way to use head and tail is after a pipe, the same way that I showed you to use more, like we did, uh, what did we do, ls help pipe more. more, right? Well, instead of that, we can pipe head. And what do you think that's going to do? I'm assuming it'll only show the first few lines for the help. Yeah, the first few lines of that help message and then just return me to the terminal. So if all I really wanted to see was this synopsis at the top, um, head is a great option for that. Now, could we do ls and help and then combine head with the amount of lines that we'd want to show? Yep. So ls takes its option of help. The result of that gets piped into head and you put its option out here. So if let's say we want to see three lines, then there's just the three line synopsis. Nice. So this is what I think is the really cool thing about the terminal, that you have these, these little commands that you can then mix and match in a bunch of different ways in order to get things done. And we're only seeing the glimpse of that right now, but we're going to do much more powerful pipelines with some other commands in future episodes. Thanks for joining us today for episode two. Professor, what's the topic for next time? So I think next time we'll dig into wildcards a little bit more, and we're going to use pipes for simple text manipulation with a few more commands that we'll learn. But we've already started to see the power of pipes to some extent, just with commands like ls and, uh, and head and tail and more and less. Um, we're going to see even more sophisticated ways to combine small commands together in the next episode. All right, sounds good. See you then.